0: Good morning, and thank you for that, Cheryl. We really, really appreciate the voice of Nana here at our church, and uh, we're just so encouraged. Um, so this is, this is wonderful. I learned a huge lesson last week. I learned that uh, last week I can't preach through six pages of point form notes in one sermon, and uh, you, if you watched last week, you would notice that uh, I came to the end of my sermon time before I came to the end of the sermon. And so I prayed and, and, and God was like, nope, it's still just got to keep on going. So what we're going to do this week is we're going to resume where we were from last week. And, uh, and it's going to, uh, to continue to be an encouragement to us. To understand what Paul is setting up in the book of Galatians as we go through Galatians and we know that that God is doing something in this church so the synopsis of Galatians once again is is Galatians is a new church with with a new understanding of Jesus and they are going in one direction and they are in danger of people who have traditional ideas and and high levels of influence coming in and changing the direction of the church promised church is a church that is a new church and it has been going in one god-given direction and as with every other new organization it is in danger of being taken by old traditions or or other people's values and priorities and being shifted and so what we are doing here is we are allowing god to speak about staying consistent and being on the same message and the same path that god put us on in the first place and so our prayer is that we do that together as a community and that our eyes are opened to exactly what it is God is calling us to do. Let me just pray for this service and pray for us. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be part of a community that is moving in your mission and vision. God, it's not everybody in the world who is yet aware of this opportunity. It's not everybody in the world who is yet able to be part of a community that is moving in one direction that you've called us to. And God, I pray that you would allow us to understand exactly what it is that you are doing. Allow us to see clearly in Scripture what it is that you are doing and as we go through this setup in in uh, Galatians chapter 2 today as, as we're getting towards what Paul is really getting at here God I pray that there would be clarity moments I pray that that we would be able to see what it is that you are doing what the gospel is that Paul is bringing and fighting for in this context and so jesus i pray that we would also be able to apply it into our own lives be able to apply it into our own sense of community in our own direction and i pray that you would be glorified in jesus name amen um so this is a wonderful uh wonderful time what we can do during this time is you can again continue to interact on slack general that's there for you and i will be you know interacting with what happens on the screen Um, on Slack as well as if you are not on on Slack, there is a way that you can still be involved. You can go to promisechurch.community, go to the messages and you'll see the sermon notes and you will also see a text box at the bottom where you can communicate and I'll also get that on my screen and I will uh, comment on as many relevant comments as I can while we go. Um, So here we go and the text today is Galatians chapter 2 verse 1 to 10. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed to be influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles, in order to make sure that I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, who was not forced to be circumcised, although he was a Greek, mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived that the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only, they asked us, to remember poor the very thing that I was eager to do. So, What we see here is that Paul is talking about how he was validated by the church in Jerusalem And we have to understand at this time Jerusalem was the center of the church Um, Early on Jerusalem became the center of the movement called the way which became Christians Um, And actually just after this letter the center moved up to Antioch And that's an important message for us because it's going to be relevant to us next week But uh, Paul sets up that there was a conflict, that there was a conflict that was happening in an understanding of the gospel message, an understanding of what is being said to the Gentiles, and so this is really, really important, and we talked last week about not avoiding the conflict, and Paul hits it head on, and he's like, no, we need to understand that there is a conflict, and he first sets up, before he steps into the conflict, he says, The people in Jerusalem understand that we are on the same page. The gospel is to be preached out to all nations. The Gentiles need to know the truth of Jesus Christ. And so they're on the same page, but there's something that's happening here. And we see that Paul refuses to submit against those who came to spy out against them. Paul did not submit. He was not willing to break the, the message and the hope that was given. And there's so much there. We see that, that it says, Paul, that we did not yield in submission even for a moment. Why? Why? so that the truth might be preserved for you. The truth might be preserved for you. There's something massive going on that Paul sees that threatens the core of the message of Jesus Christ. It threatens it, and Paul affirms, before he even discloses what it is, he says, we did not yield in submission for even a moment. I will not give in, I will not give in, though the people who, who have traditions, the people who have history, the people who have methods, they've got their way, and Paul says, I will not give in, I will not submit, so that truth might be preserved. I want to just really notice here that, that the gospel of Jesus is bigger than traditions, The gospel of Jesus is bigger than traditions and the gospel of Jesus had just broken out into the world and was challenging pre-disposed pre-practiced traditions and it was and it was saying something brand new to the entire world and today we also now have traditions and we have expectations and we have things and so we sometimes say that our traditions you know they fully honor the gospel of jesus and sometimes they don't, and sometimes they actually stand in the way. I mentioned last week that sometimes we, st- we, we can accept that traditions stand in the way when it's pointed at denominations that maybe were more traditional, like the Catholic Church, and we're, we're a post-reformed congregation, and so we don't need to worry about that. Or sometimes we say the mainline churches, they need to change their traditions or whatever. But no, that that's not the point here. Sometimes we need to look at our own traditions and say, are our traditions standing in the way of the gospel of Jesus? And in what ways are they and what ways are they not? And we just, you know, it's just something that we constantly need to be aware of. Um, so what, what's at stake What is really going on here that Paul is really doing a good job at setting up a conflict? He's setting up, hey, we're on on the same page, is actually where he starts. He starts with common ground, and he's setting up a conflict, and he's like, okay, what is going on? What happens to Christianity if Paul and Titus submit to Jewish expectations, what happens here and we see that that we see a hint at it right here it says but in verse three but even titus who was with me was not forced to be circumcised though he was a greek so we're seeing a hint as to what the pressure is that there's a pressure for the gentiles who come in to show that they are in by being coming circumcised and if we look back into history, we know that, that um, the blessing of the nations from the offspring of Abraham is made marker. It, there's an external marker of circumcision of the males that would say, you are in the blessing. And it's the affirmation of inclusion. And so this is what is at stake here. Paul's reset says that the further... Um, promise of God to bless all the nations through your offspring, through Abram's offspring, is happening by faith in Jesus. It's happening there. If those who put faith in Jesus must take on the identity of the Israelites, of the people, of the children of um, Abraham, of the Jews, if they have to take on the physical marker identity, then we aren't actually saying that it's open to all people. It, we're actually reducing by using tradition, we're, tr- we're reducing the entry point to saying, sure, it's faith in Jesus, but then you have to become Jewish. You have to join our nation. You have to join our clan in the exact same way. And so the, f- the, the change, though what's at stake here is Paul is saying, no, the promises of God are for all nations. And if it's truly for all nations, then we can't make them have to become one of our nation. They actually need to retain their national identity, which is what Paul says here in uh, 2 verse 3. It's, but even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised. He was not forced to show that he had become a Jew, though he was a Greek. He was recognized that it's, it's not even just national identity, it's, the, it's identity in Christ. It's identity in Christ over and above National identity. See, because if it was just about national identity, then we could just fall into all sorts of nationalism. We could fall into all sorts of I'm rightism, but what we actually need to fall into is fall in line with Jesus, who is our Lord. So that's one of the things that is happening here. The other thing that's at stake is that there is a threat to the loss of supremacy. There is a a loss of Jewish supremacy, which actually is a big part of the Jewish culture. The sense that they are the people who are chosen by God. They are God's ordained and special people, which will bring about the restoration of the entire world. And if we don't make people become like us, then we are becoming less. And so there's a threat against the Jewish supremacy, the sense that, that they are God's chosen people to do God's chosen work. And, and so there's a, there's a feeling of like, oh, well, we don't really, do we want that? Do we want to concede that Jesus Christ is Lord over all? And Paul sees Jesus as the eternal definer of Israel and of what it means to be an Israelite. And so paul says yes israel is the person who or israel is the nation in which the whole world will be blessed but we need to understand that it is only jesus who was faithful to be israel the rest of us jews were not faithful to be israel we all broke with the covenant we all broke torah we all broke faithfulness but jesus Did not. And so Jesus stands as the pinnacle of what it is to be an Israelite. So why does it matter today? Why does it matter? It matters because we concern ourselves with our religious reputation sometimes because it breeds significance in our life. We concern ourselves with our religious reputation. You know, when my church is seen as better than the other churches or worse than the other churches, there's a sense of 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 uh, tension that can happen and you know god has really called Promise church to not push that agenda to be like no we are equal with other churches we want to grow with other churches because we accept and understand that it is christ who is the faithful one you know and and so we we there, there is that concern about our religious reputation. So it isn't so much that, you know, traditions are the danger for us. The danger for us becomes tribalism, where we are the ones who are right and those other people are not right. The danger for us is that, is that we become, well, we become the people who say, you have to become part of us, which is the right crowd and we have to and we put ourselves you know just a notch above the other churches in the area and it becomes this competition and the glory of the message of jesus It says no it is jesus who is the faithful one he is the one that we are being made into the image of and so you know, and and actually John Binder just, just affirmed that exact same point. Tradition in the church isn't necessarily wrong, but it becomes problematic when it creates in groups and out groups. When it separates us and says, I am the right way, and you therefore are the wrong way. It polarizes us, and that is not right. Paul pushes against it and says, remove the barriers between God and the people that God wants to bless. We need to remove the barriers between God, who is pursuing humanity. It is God's idea and God's mission to live with humanity. It is God's impetus, his energy, his direction, to say that he calls out to all of humanity. And sometimes as the church, we want to be the special ones that limit the call of God. We want to control the call of God sometimes. And so God has approached every nation through Jesus, and not just the Jewish nation. This is the gospel to the uncircumcised, the people who didn't fit in the Jewish nation. It is good news, because God has done what's needed for people to experience god's blessing we've talked about this before how every religious system sets up to try to do it right they try to make the right path as as though, as though what they're doing is reaching up to the divine reaching up to god like our effort actually bridges the divide and god says no There is nothing that you can do that reaches me because I am beyond you in every way. He is eternal, immortal, all-knowing God. There's nothing that I can imagine to do to impress this God. But God says, I come to you. I pursue you. I even degrade myself to become one of you in humility so that you can know me in the person of Jesus. To anybody who says I am an agnostic, who says we can't truly know God, there's an element of truth to that. I cannot reach up and say I know God, but I can know the person of Jesus Christ who God is fully revealed in. I can know a person. And so there's something of good news in that. There's also threatening news in that. We want people to fall under our message under our means under our traditions and we want people to come to our church and god is saying wait you need to want people to come to me it's about coming to jesus it's about understanding that jesus is the focus and so we want you know Sometimes what we do is we're like, okay, yeah, 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 we want people to come to Jesus, but then we want them to come to our church to show that they've come to Jesus. Oh, well, that's a totally different thing, isn't it, right? Now we're on the right road, maybe, or maybe not. See, what happens is when we say, okay, we want people to come to Jesus, that's what we want, and then to show that they've come to Jesus, they need to come to church three times a week. They need to pray two times a day, like such, and they need to give up all of their vices, and that all needs to stop, and there's a timeline on it. There's a timeline. And, we, and, we, and, we, and we're like, well, okay, well, you know, the Bible does say that we'll know each other by our fruits, right? It does say that. And so, so then we should be able to see, oh, well, we can see that you truly are a believer, We can see that you truly are circumcised. Oh, wait. Wait. Right there. It's right there. When we want to turn our judging eye about who is in and who is out, that God starts to call us out and starts to say, wait a second. Don't put a barrier in front of people. I, I wrote an essay. I don't think I've spoken about this before i wrote an essay when i was 18 years 19 years old called the crushing weight of expectation and it's this idea and i've seen it again and again in a church when you come into a church you you are asked silently but you are asked to conform to the ways of the church and if you don't fit then it's hard to break in. It's hard to be a part of that congregation. It's hard to experience God. And sometimes it is because the, the church is saying, well, you, you are going to look like this and act like that and make sure that you are quiet at the right times and stand up at the right times and do the right thing. And our church is called to be a church that actually says, no, it's actually about Jesus and what the faithfulness of Jesus is doing. The faithfulness of Jesus is working in your life. And so what is the marker? You know, we, we might put expectations on people, on behavior people, and sometimes that actually becomes a barrier, a restriction point, saying, mm, you're not good enough to be part of our community yet. You need to become circumcised. No, wait, wait, we don't say that because it's clearly wrong. We say, you need to act like such. To truly begin, you need to act like such. And Jesus says, and Paul is saying, you're threatening the message of the gospel. You're threatening, you're, you're creating a system that's reaching up to God instead of accepting the faithfulness of God that has come down to you. And it's a constant thing. We're going to get into that in a minute. We must, presume, uh, we must preserve the truth of the gospel. Like Paul said, that, that he's like, I am doing this to preserve the truth. And so the blessings of god is accessible through jesus and through jesus alone it's not accessible in membership at promised church promised church exists so that we point you to jesus and his faithfulness we consistently speak of god's faithfulness to us of which we are recipients and participants in but only at his leading all about him which is why we get into later in galatians it's all about you know following the spirit and living the fruits of the spirit we see that it's all initiating from him not from me anyways i get ahead of myself right so my main point here is the marker of inclusion is not signing a membership or a physical mark but believing in the faithfulness of Jesus, and I have in my notes believing in the in the pistu Christu, the oma the the o and the u uh, at the end of those Greek words pistu Christu work in Greek like a um, like an apostrophe s works in English. It's a possessive, and and what we see when we see it translated in the scriptures, we oftentimes see that pistu Christu is is translated faith in Jesus. But it's actually possessive. And so it should be the faithfulness of Jesus. And and oftentimes that's something that that we go, well, what does that mean? What does it mean that we put faith in the faithfulness of Jesus? Because so often we want to say, yeah, yeah, you put faith in Jesus to enter. But then that is now passed behind you and now you have to show your inclusion. That's the entire argument that's going on here in, in Galatians 2. The entire argument is, yeah, 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 you put faith in Jesus. We agreed with that, but now you have to show that you are truly one of us. You have to be circumcised. And as Christians, we make the same mistake saying, yeah, 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 you entered by faith in Jesus, but now you have to show that you're really one of us by conformity. And so what we need to do is we need to recognize that our inclusion is the exact same thing as our continuance. Faithfulness of Jesus is what we place all our hope in, the faithfulness of Jesus. God's not done with you yet. He hasn't given up on you. He has not let you go. He is pursuing you because he is faithful to his promises. And this is a gospel that Jesus is faithful to everything written in Scripture and everything written in Scripture points to God wants to be with you. God wants to be with you. He loves you and he wants to make everything right. In the world, and in you he wants to make everything right in the world and in you so yes there's sanctification yes there's change yes i am transformed like we read at the beginning of service i am transformed glory by glory changed into what the image of god but this is not work of my own lest i boast this is based on the faithfulness of jesus he is doing the work and so this is, this is what we need to recognize. We want to say that, that oh, well, your faith is going to result like this. But really, we must recognize that our inclusion in the faith is, yes, it is faith in Jesus at the beginning. It's faith in Jesus' faithfulness. Our continuance in the faith is faith in the faithfulness of Jesus. He is going to do great work. That's what I rely on that's what we rely on we don't rely on our systems we don't rely on our actions we don't rely on our things that we do that transform us that that we muster and we try to make it happen no we we do one thing we focus resolutely on the truth that it is jesus's faithfulness and only jesus faithfulness Paul's reset is the faith in the faithfulness of Jesus. Professing faith in Jesus holds no other social benefit to it. None. There's no social benefit to professing the faith in faithfulness of Jesus. It's like, wow, that did a lot. No, it's not about social, you know, edging over somebody else, being better than another church, being better than another Christian. No. It's about being brought into the presence of God because Jesus has been faithful. That's how we get there, that's how we stay there, that's what it looks like. Professing faith in Jesus is not advantageous for anything other than to be included in the kingdom of God and to be brought along as the kingdom of God continues to grow. We are all invited. You know, Paul is, Paul is vindicated on this. He's vindicated with acceptance in Jerusalem. You know, Paul says to the Jerusalem rid- that the Jerusalem leaders gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles so, and they to the circumcised. This is the right hand of fellowship, and I'm just going to touch on it for two seconds because it's important for next week's message. The right hand of fellowship is a term of inclusion, meaning that we are on equal standing. Because of the faithfulness of Jesus, we now are on equal standing. You have a mission to the circumcised. I have a mission to the uncircumcised. That's what Paul's saying. But for us, we're saying, we have a mission here in Bradford that is to reach people with the faithfulness of Jesus. To call people in to say, God has been so faithful to me through the person of Jesus. God has has been transforming me because of the person of Jesus. God is doing all of this great work. And look at it, and you are included in this promise. You are invited in. God is doing a great thing, and you are not cast aside. That's the gospel right there, that Jesus, his faithfulness, allows us to be able to know God. We can know God in the person of Jesus. And if you have not yet found a way to know God, if you think that everything is about religious structures and belief systems and creeds, I invite you to read the Gospel of John. Just straight read it. If you want, you can, you can go to BibleGateway.com and you can just say John in the search scripture. Write John. And then you can choose a, a translation. I actually, if you've never read the Bible before, just choose the message translation. It's in translation choices. You just scroll down to the M, Message and read the gospel of john because what you see there is the person of jesus the faithfulness of god you want to know god you hear about jesus and you know that jesus is faithful so the fellowship is is it's a term of equal standing and you can sit at my table next week's service that's going to become important the idea of of you're in you can sit at my table that's what's going to come up next week where where we're going to see this So, eating together is going to be important for next week's text, and as we work through this argument, we have to recognize that everything needs to center on Jesus. Our acceptance into the kingdom is based on our faith in the faithfulness of Jesus. Our growth in the kingdom is based in our faith, our absolute trust in the faithfulness of Jesus, that he is the one who initiates everything, any change in my life he is the one and that's why we're constantly being called to you know participate participate pray say God I am ready to allow you to change me to transform me to work in me however you want because Jesus has been faithful and is faithful and so I want to participate in that, however you lead, whatever that looks like. And when we can pray that, God starts to do His work. He starts to transform our hearts, our thoughts, our thinking. It's not about conformity anymore. It's actually about following what the Spirit of God excuse me, following what the Spirit of God is saying and doing. So um, <laughs> Frank just said, you know, there's no social benefit in his faithfulness, just being in Christ. Wow. So yes, exactly. Both wow, because you're like, wait a second, it doesn't give me an edge in society. It's not like I can go to a badge and go to a place and say, I'm a Christian, give me a discount. Um, but there is the inclusion, which is a much greater reward than, than our simple social statuses. It's a much greater thing. And so this is, uh, this is very, very important. Um, and so this is this is really, really good. Uh, Rick Morris says that we need to realize that we are not the ones that change people. The Holy Spirit changes people. Our job is to love people where they are and let God change people, and it's absolutely true, um, and I just want to encourage that. That's what we're about. This is what it means to say that we are are, are you know, uh, defending that truth that we are to quote Paul, so the truth might be preserved for you. This is what it means, and so I'm going to uh, I'm going to pray for us because this is what we want to do. God, I just pray that as a church, that we would be a people who trust in your faithfulness. God, there have been so many times where I've just attempted. To, to get a result of rightness or holiness or attempted to make my actions conform and, and just done it and tired myself out only to turn to you and say, God, I, I want this, this evil part, this, this repetition, this vice, this, this, this impulse that's, that's killing me. I want it gone, but I can't defeat it. And the amount of times that you have then faithfully come in and said, Oh, yeah, yeah, I can do that. I can transform you better than you can transform you. So, God, I just pray for us as a church that we would be people that fully rely on your faithfulness. That that we wouldn't try to measure how much someone trusts on God's faithfulness versus how little. That we wouldn't try to rank ourselves in our social setting. But that we would all point each other to the reminder that, God, you are working in us. God, please work in us work in us as humble beings humble created beings that you are calling to be transformed glory to glory that you are actually doing the work in God allow us to be open to that and allow our gospel message to be hopeful to those who do not yet know of your love Jesus we all together look to you and say We place trust in your faithfulness. You're the one who's going to make all things right. You're the one who wants to live with us and who will live with us. And so we trust you in that. In whatever way you want to transform us, we offer it to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being a part of our service today, and I pray that you would continually pray that prayer of offering yourself to the faithfulness of Jesus and his work, because we will see that God is the one who does great work in all of us. We look forward to seeing you next week, and I want to remind you to join us at Principles of Promise today at 2 o'clock, because we're going to be talking about something called community programs, and uh, I'm really, really excited about that. God bless you. Have yourself a great week.